This country needs progressive programs, ideas that can address multiple challenges that we face as a nation at once. Last week we talked about food waste and what is being done to solve that problem. And today we are talking about another brilliant organization that combines green energy education and youth empowerment. And that's our topic in this hour. Green energy and youth empowerment, creating the future of America hand in hand. Here today on An Organic Conversation, your show on everything that makes life worth living. I'm Helge Helberg. Our need to decrease our dependency on fossil fuels and increase renewable power, which includes energy efficiency, being smarter about how we use energy, is one of the nation's top priorities, or it should, at least. At the same time, we are growing a new generation of informed and caring changemakers that will have to govern this country and this planet at one point. Wouldn't it make sense to combine the two? That's what a nonprofit here in the San Francisco Bay Area thought when it went to work and they came up with a program in which both objectives are held with equal focus, green energy and youth empowerment, creating the future of America hand in hand. All that and more coming up in just a minute here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helberg, your host, and this show is made possible by Equal Exchange. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. That's equalexchange.coop. And by Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable and fashion sustainable. For more information, utterly.co. That's U-T-T-E-R-L-Y dot C-O.
And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Green energy and youth empowerment, creating the future of America hand in hand. That's our topic in this hour. And with me in the studio are Jody Pincus, the executive director of the Rising Sun Energy Center out of Berkeley, California, and Hope Couples, the campaign coordinator of California Youth Energy Services. The website is risingsunenergy.org. Welcome to both of you, ladies. Thank, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming in. We have shows on the topic of renewable energy often, and we have shows on the topic of youth empowerment sometimes. Your program does both. Jody, I want to start with you. Can you explain what the Rising Sun Energy Center exactly does or offers? Sure. Rising Sun is a nonprofit with a dual mission of both energy efficiency and combating climate change, as well as workforce development and equity issues. So all of our program encompasses both of those um, topics that we're facing as a country, those issues that we're trying to deal with. And one of our programs, the program we're talking about today, is called California Youth Energy Services, which is a youth empowerment program that combats climate change by going into community members' homes across six counties in the Bay Area, servicing 5,000 households this summer, and providing 160 youth with an incredibly meaningful summer job. That sounds really easy <laughs> when you say <laughs> it that way. And I can't imagine the, the work that goes into it to find the households, to find the students. Uh, I guess, Hope, that's where you come in. What's your role with this program? Yeah, so I am actually a, a Climate Corps AmeriCorps fellow placed at Rising Sun Energy Center. And I started with Rising Sun in January. And since January, I have been working uh, extensively to get homes signed up for our summer program. So we have to work really hard to get all of these homes signed up for our youth over the summer so that they have a set schedule and set appointments to make. And that takes a lot of grassroots outreach, going out into the community, a lot of pre-planning and work to make sure that our summer program is set and ready to go so that youth aren't just hanging around at the office with nothing to do. We really want this to be a structured summer job for them where they have appointments to go to and times to be benefiting the community and really making a difference in their communities. So that's what I've been focusing on. I primarily just do grassroots outreach for the greenhouse calls themselves, going out into the community and signing people up for our service so that we can later call them and schedule those appointments. That is entails a range of different things, you know, uh, tabling at different events, talking to community members, going to food pantries, all that stuff so that we have a really good setup for our youth when the summer starts. What has the response been from, from people? Are they excited about this? This is a free service, right? You're basically saying we will come in, we will look at your lifestyle and house, and, and we have experts and they will analyze for free. Yeah. Whether or not they are trained youth, and it's an amazing thing to just allow the youth to be empowered yeah. and come in, but even as a benefit for the household, really, that you get an, an energy audit, and even you supply materials or solutions with that, yeah. right? So the installations as well. It's really incredible, actually. We have a lot of really amazing community partners that I work with, and the response is always really great and positive. We get people kind of selling free is a lot more challenging than you would expect. Getting people to trust our organization <laughs> yeah. and getting people to know that we genuinely mean to be providing the service for free. Um, that kind of it tends to be the biggest roadblock. But then I really do get to go out there and, 
and connect directly with people who really have amazing responses to this program. That's what makes my job all worth it is doing this outreach and and meeting people who genuinely see the benefit of this program and always ask, why don't I know why didn't I know about this sooner? This program is incredible. What Rising Sun is is doing is incredible. I have this really amazing community partner that I work with in Marin County and her name's Florencia and I I go to this it's called a health hub. And basically it's a it's a tabling opportunity for us where we get to participate in a local food pantry. I get to work on my Spanish speaking skills and get out there talking to a range of different people from different backgrounds and really genuinely feel like I'm offering a service that will benefit them. And the energy at those events is great. It's every week and there's a DJ playing music, there's people picking up local food, and then there's me there providing this free service for them. Amazing. Jody, do you see yourself more as a youth empowerment nonprofit or a green energy service? What's the main objective or has it never been split? We are both. I mean, we have a dual mission, which can complicate things for us. <laughs> But the way the way I like to think about it is our California Youth Energy Services Program is a social enterprise. It's a business um, serving the community, basically. And the product of the service is this free greenhouse call. And so really, it's about providing young people with the skills and training that will give them confidence for later on in their career. So they get so many different skills that are transferable. They learn about how to deal with many different customers from many different backgrounds. They are provided with customer service skills, presentation skills, bigger concepts about the world, whether it's climate change or building efficiency or just learning about cultural competency. And all these skills they can take with them in their future. You know, we have many examples of one of my favorite stories is I've been with the organization for 10 years. So when we started, we were very small. There were two staff. I came into a two-staff organization. Six <laughs> months later, the executive director left. And um, that always happens. That always <laughs> happens. And I was very young at the time. And I um, just said, I don't know anything about being the executive director, but I'm going to fake it till I make it. And I was very hands on. So I got to work with a lot of youth at the time. And one of my favorite young person was from Richmond, California, Del Risha, who came from a foster care background and lived in a pretty difficult environment. And she came back for three summers to Rising Sun as a youth energy specialist. And when she left the um, organization, she went to Morehouse College, an all-black college, um, where she became the president of the school. And she partnered with the EPA at that time to do energy efficiency work and was highlighted all over the nation. And that wow. was about her connection and her foundational work to Rising Sun. And she's still, still somebody that I mentor. She's actually now dedicated to her life to working with foster youth and providing them with the same type of mentorship. So it's stories like that and people like that that we work with and we really help to shape their life and their future. But I think one of the most beautiful things for young people is I just went actually out to a site in Martinez last week. I'm doing my usual summer site visits. And a young person said, you know, this isn't my first job. My first job was at a grocery store, but I hated it. 
and now I'm doing a job that I can't wait in the morning to wake up to. I get to come to work, I get to give something to my community that's struggling to pay their energy bills, and I get to change their impression of what youth are. You know, their stereotype that youth are lazy or they don't know anything or they don't care about the future, and I get to go and I educate them. Um, so it's those types of things that, that have kept me at Rising Sun for the past 10 years. Green energy and youth empowerment, creating the future of America hand-in-hand. Hand. That's our topic here today on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg, and in the studio with me, I'm graced with Jody Pincus, the executive director of the Rising Sun Energy Center out of Berkeley, California. That's risingsunenergy.org. And Hope, Hope Couples. Always good to have Hope here in the studio, campaign coordinator, California Youth Energy Services. It's clear in your answer, Jody, that you have a strong work, employment, care, empowerment background. Is that, is that how you found the organization? Before I was at Rising Sun, I was working at a more traditional workforce development organization called Job Corps. And while I was employed there, I had actually two young people come to my home and give me a greenhouse call. And what I was amazed about when these two young people came to my home was just their level of professionalism, their level mm. of responsibility that... And they were from the Rising Sun Energy Center? They no. were from Rising Sun Energy Center. <laughs> <laughs> they came, so I, they, I got it, I was a customer, that basically. That was work, workforce empowerment yeah, for you. <laughs> it was, you know, and seeing the difference between a traditional workforce development program and then something where you're providing young people with money, you're, it's a job, you're giving them responsibility, future. you're yeah. providing them with a future... What would traditional workforce programs it's more could look a like? Training in the classroom. So mm -hmm. it's a traditional model. So when you take young people who have not been successful in high school, who have struggled in a classroom setting, and then you put them back into a training yeah. program that looks like the classroom they failed in, they tend to act out, right? So they're they're not acting professionally in that classroom session. They're regressing to how they were when they were children. But when you take those that same demographic of young people out of the classroom, into the field, you give them real responsibility, you pay them for your their work, you value them, you trust them, they transform. Who came up with the idea of the Rising Sun Energy Center? Who founded it? So it was founded in actually 1994 in Santa Cruz, California, more as um, an energy education, renewable education place, very grassroots. And then Hal Aronson, then took over the program in 2000 in Berkeley, California. He was the executive director, and he's... Uh, he added the youth piece to it. He went to Berkeley High School, mm. and he was teaching them about renewable energy and energy efficiency. And the young people said, we don't want to just learn about it. We want to do something in our community. So the actual program was developed by youth. And so he said, great. And they came up with this idea um, together. And so you, it was called Berkeley Youth Energy Services. And then the city got behind it at the time. And now it's just, you know, grown and transformed. Hope, are you part of the, the training of youth? Like who, who trains, like who's on staff or who do you bring in to train, train youth to be green energy experts? We as a staff try and get as many of our staff members involved in the training as we can, just helping out wherever we can, different insights to different uh, lectures that we lead. And we also bring in outside uh, instructors as well to teach different courses. So this year, I since it is my first year with Rising Sun, I just tried as much as I could to participate in the trainings and sit there and be present and absorb all the information and knowledge that we are teaching our energy specialists. 
So it's really cool because we, as a headquarters staff, really all get involved and back the training that goes into it. So we are really um, kind of putting our hearts into the training that goes into the the energy specialists before they head out into the community. And what does the curriculum touch on? Do you have some examples of what what areas are being taught and... Yeah, so we focus on a whole range of curriculum. So that obviously goes into the basics of the greenhouse call itself, energy efficiency and water efficiency. What do you mean by that, the basics of the greenhouse call? Yeah, so so during the greenhouse call, obviously these youth have to be well-versed in the installations and the assessments that they're doing. When they walk into the house. Yeah, Uh so when they go into community members' homes, we have to make sure that they know exactly um, what they have to do and what they have to accomplish during that appointment. And they have to be as well-versed in it as possible so that that they can uh, be as professional as possible. And answer questions and whatever else. Yeah, all of that. Surprisingly, oh, I remember we have a water hose in the back. Can you take a look? What are the difference between these two light bulbs and and these two uh, shower heads and all of those random questions they might get? How long is the visit, roughly? Roughly, depending on the size of the house, on average, I would say it's about an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and so we teach them... Um, exactly what they're installing, what the criteria for those installations are. We measure uh, the water flow of all of the faucets. So they have to know how to do that when they can do the installs. Um, how what, do you do that? So you, it's very simple. You take a plastic bag, put it over the shower heads and the water faucets, turn them on to full blast and measure the output. And then if it falls above or below a certain threshold, then we'll switch it out for a more efficient shower head or water faucet aerator. Those are just the little aerators that attach. Then they also go through and learn about the different light bulbs we attach, we install. So those are the new LEDs. We do globes and floods. They have to know when they can put a floodlight outside, when where they can install the, the globe lights inside. There's all sorts of funky light fixtures that they have to get used to dealing with. And then the assessment itself is kind of more in depth. Our installations are pretty simple and straightforward. And once they get the hang of that, that's, that's pretty easy for them to pick up. The assessment is knowing um, where to check for weather stripping, where to check for leaks in the in the stripping of of the fridges and knowing how to check the appliances for energy star ratings um, all of that stuff and then knowing how to positively influence uh, homeowners and, and renters to make behavior changes so we we want to include behavior change in all this as well wow and we will learn in a minute of how the youth responds to that and if they pick it up quickly enough or we, where maybe breakdowns have occurred. Again, that's green energy and youth empowerment hand-in-hand, hand, creating the future of America here on An Organic Conversation today. With me is Jody Pincus and Hope Couples Rising Sun Energy Center. That's risingsunenergy.org. Check it out. We're going to honor our underwriters. We're right back with so much more. This show is brought to you by Bowman College, a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Become a nutrition consultant or a natural chef at one of their campuses or learn from home in a self-paced mentored distance learning program. For more information on a degree in holistic nutrition or culinary arts, bowmancollege.org. And Fry Vineyards, America's first organic winery, family owned and operated. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Award-winning wines at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. And thank you also to Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor of organic fruits and vegetables that has been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. From grocery store to company cafeteria to caterers and personal chefs, anyone can buy from Earl's Organic. Certified organic produce at earlsorganic.com. 
www.thepodcastmedia.com. And we're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Energy and youth, green energy and youth empowerment. That's our topic, creating the future of America hand in hand. And again, we're speaking with the executive director of the Rising Sun Energy Center out of Berkeley, California, Jody Pincus, and her campaign coordinator, Hope Couples. Right before the break, Hope, you were you were talking about the curriculum and just how much in-depth education they're actually getting. How long is that curriculum? What are the, is, is there a test for them to be ready to be released to the public? So the curriculum itself, <laughs> it, there's not an actual test that they have to have to pass at the end or anything like that. Um, but it is a week-long full-time curriculum. So it's one week of very intensive curriculum that they go through. In this curriculum, like I said, they have to understand the basics of the energy and water efficiency and upgrade. But they also have to learn, like there's lots of challenges with going into people's homes. They have to learn cultural competency, how to communicate effectively. Um, we do all sorts of lessons on how to remain professional in difficult situations, how to communicate better with their partners. What That's would that be? So there's lots of interesting situations that I'm youth sure. can walk into. <laughs> and at Rising Sun, obviously, we focus on youth safety above all. So if they walk into a difficult situation and they feel unsafe, they should always leave. Like, for example, if somebody's drunk. Or yes. If, some, yeah. if they walk into a home and they see some, if someone's um, drinking alcohol or acting erratically or making them feel uncomfortable in any way, they can pretend to get a call from their manager and leave the home. We don't want youth going into homes feeling unsafe. That sure. is our primary um, concern. And so there's different ways that they can deal with these things. They obviously have to go into the home. They have to remain as a, together in a team uh, in the home the whole time. We so don't, it's always two. Always two. Mm -hmm. um, we don't want one youth going into one room and another youth heading into the, the other room being separated. Um, they always have to work on remaining professional, working with a range of different clients. Sometimes clients might not speak English fluently or might have messy homes and they have to go in there and deal with those things. So we really focus on communication between the energy specialists, making sure both of them feel comfortable and also always putting their safety first um, and always calling us if anything happens. They have managers on site all day ready to jump in and help them with these greenhouse calls if anything happens. Great. And what's the age range roughly? Uh, 15 to 22. Um, so in the partnership or the team of two that goes out to the homes, um, there has to be one youth over the age of 18. So it's possible there's a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old, anywhere in that range. Yeah, and then they go out together as a team. And what feedback have you gotten from 
your team from the youth you have, yeah. uh, you have 5000 house calls yeah so we're we're going to serve 5000 homes this summer the program just started with uh, how many youth the youth we hired 160 this summer yeah so that's a lot of homes served yeah. a lot of homes served that breaks down to yeah so at for instance per we have team. per team we try and get 3 to 5 appointments a day wow yeah and so per site that's up to 21 appointments a day so it's it's a busy summer for us and they're going out in the community, they're serving these homes, and they're trying to get as many homes served as they can in those in those days. Sure, but what do you hear from them in terms of oh, challenges yeah. or, you know, what, what is going super well, where they're excited, where, yeah. the, where so, were they challenged, where do break on This is my, occur? yeah, this is yeah. my first summer with yeah, Rising sure. Sun. And we <laughs> and started it, it our- It pro- started, right? Yeah, so it started July 5th, right. and it'll run until August 10th. Um, those are the dates of our program this summer. And I have already been so in awe of the responses that we have received, which has made all of my hard work doing outreach so worth it. The other day I was at the site office in Oakland and all of the youth came back. And one of the girls was grinning so big. She was so excited. And she she almost looked like she was like tearing up a little bit. And she was like, Hope, I can't even believe this. Like, I feel so appreciated right now. Like, I genuinely just made someone's day by showing them that as a young person, I can do this. And like seeing her empowerment just in that moment was incredible. We also just had someone make a donation to Rising Sun immediately following this no cost greenhouse call and raving about how wonderful the service was. So that was incredible to tell the youth that they're doing this great job. It's like positive reinforcement. The community members love it. The youth feel inspired and excited um, every time they come back from greenhouse calls. Um, So that makes it really amazing. And before the interview, we talked about you're providing some of the materials for free, right? This is a free call to begin with. Yes. This is a free assessment. And if there's a light bulb to be changed, they get a free light bulb. Yeah, it's all free of charge, which is, again, what what's hardest to sell to the to the communities we're in because nobody wants to believe that it's completely free of charge. The, the greenhouse call involves an assessment, installation, and education. Those are the three parts to it. Um, so the youth walk through the home. They do the assessment of all of the appliances, different leakages in their home that might be losing uh, energy or water. And then they do the installation. So depending on the city or county we're partnered with, the, the number of LEDs we can install ranges from 9 to 14 per household. Then we do unlimited amount of low-flow shower heads, kitchen and bathroom sink aerators. Um, this year we're also installing a Tier 2 power strip for entertainment systems and homes which is really awesome because that will help reduce phantom loading and phantom energy in homes and so all of those installations and the whole assessment is free of charge jody how do you in the world fund this like (laughs) you this is the most one of the most generous nonprofits and energy and you're giving them all this and real materials you're changing light bulbs and faucets so how do you run a nonprofit successfully putting out that much goodwill Well, one unique thing about our nonprofit is it's a slightly different model. So we work with the public utility, the public California Public Utilities Commission. All of us pay into ratepayer funding in our utility bills, and that money goes to paying for energy efficiency products. So we actually say that everybody's already paid for this service. Actually, it's not free. So a big part of our funding. So you apply for a grant, and then you. It's through a contract, part, yeah, exactly. right, with the utility with PG&E nice. to provide this service, and then we're quantifying. Which they must provide, but can't. Right. Themselves. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're pro- they can't provide it. They're contracting out different service providers and we happen to be a nonprofit that focuses on youth to do this work. And then 
the funding, the other sources of funding are from foundations and individuals who love what we do because the PG&E funding pays for the energy efficiency work. And so we're, you know, quantifying our energy savings and our impact. We also get funding from water districts to reduce water usage. And then all the youth development pieces and the leadership pieces that we're doing and all these additional aspects of our program are funded through foundations and individuals and people who love to see young people empowered and doing this meeting. Yeah, of course, because you're addressing two major challenges or, or areas we need to work on and focus on, you also have double power when it comes to funding, right? Yes, although some people, the dual mission can be confusing for them. Uh-huh. You know, I think people are used to funding strictly yeah, environmental you, things. Right? Or work you, for, yeah, exactly. what, you're confused. <laughs> and we really see the power. We don't, we don't believe at Rising Sun that you can solve complex issues in today without an integrated approach. That's you right. have to have, yeah. you know, an integrated approach to everything we do. And so we also believe that clean technology, energy efficiency needs to be available to everybody, whether you're a renter or homeowner whether you're an English speaker or you're a non-English speaker, where you have a lot of money to get solar panels or you have no income or you're moderate income. Our program is great because there's zero barriers to the service. Most energy efficiency programs, it's either free if you're low income or it costs a lot if you're high income. And if you're moderate income, there's really not a lot of services for you out there. Or if you're a renter, you know, oftentimes you can't make the changes in your home that will save you the money because you pay your utilities. And so our program overcomes all of those barriers for people. Beautiful, yes. So with Hope having that be her first summer, her first year of with Rising Sun Energy, you have been there from basically the get-go. What have you seen? You had this beautiful story about the one woman who's now using her training and, and has expanded off of that. But is your, with your background in, in youth em- empowerment and education and workforce building and that people stay in green-minded jobs? Or how do you monitor success? What are your success goals that you try to hit? So, you know, one of the challenges is we actually don't have the capacity to track youth 10 years out or mm-hmm. five years out. We would love to gain that capacity. And we're currently doing a little study about where are our alumni now. But we have a lot of stories and a lot of relationships. And so I I would say there's three sectors that the youth tend to go into. One is environmental science, so following the green career track. The other is social welfare or community service. So they may become a counselor themselves. They want to give back to their community. And a lot of youth, that's the most inspiring part, is giving back to their community. And then the third piece is business. Um, So that's where we see a lot of our young people going. And one of the values is the skills they're gaining are really transferable. Mm -hmm. We have a segment of youth who are not in college or community college, and they're not in high school. And because of that, we've created a program that is a traditional workforce development program that trains the next level of youth to come into a construction pre-apprenticeship program, where then they can get a job in union construction, earning $30 an hour with pension and benefits, or they can go work for a solar company. And so we've created a lot of pathways within the organization to meet different youth where, they, where they're at. We also have a leadership track for young people, so those that have come back for... Oh, you, you place them somehow or help They help become assistant in, managers. Uh, oh. And so then they've come to us for Fun. two years, three years, then they become assistant manager. Four, year four, they are the manager. Um, And I always 
say my dream would be that one day when I'm no longer executive director, I've been able to hand over to my job to sure. a person that was a young person within our organization. Do you offer, because this is the Bay Area, San Francisco, very progressive, uh, do you, you offer um, job placements? I wonder with a, a workforce that skilled that a solar company, for example, would be interested in having somebody who's already that experienced, having done household house visits and the overall topic of green energy, such a beautiful start prerequisite. Yeah, with our youth program, because many of them are still in high school yeah, or community young. college, we don't. But with our construction pre-apprenticeship program, that's where we are tracking people and we are working with companies like Sunren and SunPower and Sunjevity. And, you know, we have a lot of partnerships with industry. Um, they love what we do and they love the skilled labor that we provide them. And so that program is very much a pathway out of poverty and into the middle class for people. Wonderful. Hope, I know this program is now running uh, already, um, both on the household side, people have signed up. Are you complete? Can people who listen to the show still say, I really want one audit for my house, please? Oh. Do you have like 10 more waitlist spots? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> we definitely have spots available for this summer. Our program only does run until August 10th, but we do serve a lot of homes in my My outreach work only goes so far into the summer, and then we have to work just as hard What during... What comes in, yeah. Yeah, we have to work just as hard to keep doing outreach. It's continuous outreach February through the end of the program. So tell the, our listeners again, at least here for the San Francisco Bay Area, which counties can apply or can anyone apply? How far, how far do you go out? Yeah, so we work in all of Sonoma County, all of Marin County, all of Solano County, cities throughout the East Bay. So that includes Oakland, San Leandro, Union City, Fremont, Concord. And then we also work out into Stockton, Dublin, Pleasanton. Um, again, it's a whole range of cities. So on our website, we have a service area map that everyone can check out to see if they fall within our county and city partnerships. Amazing. And that website is risingsunenergy.org. And I will sign up right after the show. Yay. <laughs> Risingsunenergy.org. As for youth, if youth hears this, both of you, um, yeah. how can they get involved in this work, whether it's exactly the yeah. Rising Sun Energy part or your other programs, Jody, for youth, the summer is done. Yeah. But when can they apply for next year and already say? They can let us know. We always want to know what youth are interested. So if they're interested, reach out to us. We won't be hiring until spring of next year, but we love to have lists of returners who are interested, people who are interested in general, and then we can reach out to them when we start doing our hiring process. So if there are any youth listening who are genuinely interested in a, in a really awesome summer job, um, they can send us an email, they can go on our website, um, reach out to our information email online as well. And your prime time starts at what, February, March, when yeah, you start to yeah. hone in? and yeah. We start hiring and interviewing Early February, if they're returners and they know they want the summer job, then we'll start interviewing them. But we also keep hiring all the way until the start date of the summer program. Okay, great. So in, in February of 2018, we'll have you back or we'll rerun the show or yes. whatever we'll do, but we'll get the word out. Jody, as for your other programs, is there do you have a, a year-round offering? If people were just saying this is an amazing organization, whether it's Green Energy or your other programs, I just want to be involved. What's the best way or what else are you offering throughout the year? The best way is to go to our website. We are soon having our next solar training cohort, which people can sign up for. That'll be in the next couple of months. 
and there'll be another construction training this year. So we run three training programs in construction annually and two in solar. So go to the website, check it out, give us a call, and we'll help you get on board. And that's all funneled through risingsunenergy.org. Yeah? Exactly. As the last question always, because you're nonprofit, what would support look like for you if you had a wish list? And what is the most important thing that if that was provided, you would do you are you looking for new counties? If a board of supervisor or county government hears this and says we want them and we'll fund it somehow and What would be the most helpful? So we think our California Youth Energy Service Program is a no-brainer. It can work Sounds in like any it. <laughs> city, you know, across the country, even globally. Um, and it's totally needed. It's like beyond no-brainer. Yes, yes, yeah. we, we must do this, clearly. Right. Yes. We, we, we must do it. And, yeah. you know, there's studies that have shown that young people who get a job early on have a much better better earnings later on really? in life yeah. and that there's Amazing. a huge deficit right now that young people aren't going to work early yeah. so and um, you're taking them off the street i mean what's always the alternative right if we waste food that's one thing and then if we feed the hungry that's amazing that's just turned into a resource so in this in this case it's an educational system that you fill in exactly in the cracks where it's needed exactly so, yeah beautiful exactly so we would love to expand our program You know, if you're interested, contact us, contact me directly. We would love to help other organizations across the country do what we're doing. So we don't necessarily have to grow Rising Sun nationally, but we can help other people learn the partnerships, learn the skills, how to train youth. If you're a youth serving organization out there and this program sounds amazing, give me a call and we can help you learn how to do this. And we've actually been nationally and internationally recognized for this program as well. And then just like any other nonprofit, you know, sign up for that greenhouse call. That helps us come and volunteer and learn more about what we do. And of course, donate to us because the more resources we have, the better we can serve the community and the better education and training we can provide young people. And if somebody listens to this show and thinks their local government should do it and bring it forth as an idea, they can just reach out to you and you'll help with a pitch and empower Yes. Um, you know, contact me. At, you can email me directly at pinkus at risingsunenergy.org. And I would love to see this program grow. Amazing. That's green energy and youth empowerment, our topic in this hour here on Inorganic Conversation today, creating the future of America hand in hand. That's Jody Pincus, the executive director, and Hope Couples, the campaign coordinator, risingsunenergy.org, the website. Thank you so much for what you do, and good luck for this summer and for many, many years to come. We certainly need it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Wonderful to have you. And from green energy to green agriculture, the consumer update from the world of organic fruits and vegetables, from the produce dock in San Francisco, what will be in the retail stores, how to pick it, how to choose it, what to do with it, so that you don't waste money and you get the best produce. Here is what's in season. And fighting the heat in a grocery store near you is <laughs> Earl Herrick, the founder of Earl's Organic Produce, of course, the premier deliverer of only organic fruits and vegetables. Earl, have you turned into a puddle or are you there? <laughs> well, you know, I've always, you know, I used to work outside in the fruit truck years ago and, oh. and, and, and being on the 
on the on the uh, docks of the market, you're still able to be outside a bit. But I'll tell you, there is a time where there's it can be beneficial to find an air conditioned store to do your shopping. And with and, you, I can't even imagine you have thirty one, thirty two and a half degrees, depending on what produce item you're storing. Yeah. like micro, uh, you know, temperature <laughs> environments around the 30s to mid 30s to yeah. keep the produce as fresh as possible. And the truck is cooled, but the outside temperature could be even in San Francisco, 90, 95 or 100. Yes. We are talking 70 degrees difference. That, yeah, it's, it's, that it's seems amazing. absurd. <laughs> well, yeah, it is. It, it, and I'll tell you, you really feel the shock of it, too. I mean, uh, you know, I have, a, I have a lot of people working in the warehouse that are going in and out of these uh, walking for a lunch break and, yeah and you know they're totally clothed and, and jacketed up and hoodies and the whole deal and and just to you know lend some, lend <laughs> so some more perspective we do have walk-ins that are in the mid low 30s and also some in the mid 40s and and some in the mid 50s so yeah. we you know you got to cater to really all the different products but yeah the, the oh. difference is just <laughs> flabbergasted. No other industry. Um, so, <laughs> wh where are we at? It's summer heat. Well, it's it's blasting. It's beautiful. Yeah. What does it do to produce? You know, the last month in June, we really had this major heat event, and and you know, it kind of comes and goes, and it's not even necessarily unusual because you know, doing a little research for this, I came across a blog that we did last year, dated June 29th, and it was talking about the same thing that we're talking about now. Of like a heat event and, and how it affects produce and everything. Well, there's the Bay Area, San Francisco, where this show is produced and where your warehouse is at, but we don't often see 90 or more degrees in the city because of the the uh, coastal influences of cold Correct. air. But in our inland, that's the Central Valley, of course, agricultural's bread basket, they are used to 100-degree weather. Actually, they want that, right? There's hot-weather crops that, are, that need yeah. that heat right now. Yeah, as a matter of fact, almost everything that we grow likes it hot. Oh, now, that's, really? that's a relative term, and, you know, like melons will handle 100 degrees fine. Strawberries, not so much. Uh, lettuce certainly doesn't like a lot of that. But for short periods of time, uh -huh. heat spikes are, are, not a, are not a drastic thing. And not only that, as much as the daytime heat, nighttime heat can have equal damage. If it doesn't cool off under 80 degrees, the plant doesn't really get an opportunity to recover. Oh, gotcha. So, so it's not yeah, just nighttime. the day heat, but it needs to, to be able to relax at night to be ready for the yeah. next day. And if that doesn't happen, then it could be the yeah, nighttime they, heat that kills it, not the daytime heat. Yeah, they, it, all, it all kind of you know warps into sure. one continual time. Yeah. You know, I talked to a lot of growers in, in, in the last, oh, heck, well, course years but in talking about the heat and it was very interesting they they one of the one of the most encouraging aspects of growers is they just do not panic they have seen it all and to the grower they say you know when it gets hot and they're talking about over 105 when you get into 110 when it gets like that most growing things are okay as long as they have water moisture mm -hmm. You know, if, if it's dispensed properly in a, in a sufficient amount, they will make the plant, the trees will make it through this emergency. Now, if it keeps on going for a week and there's just no a relief from it, sure. then that's where long-time uh, damage can, can happen. Now, but even in the short term, there's all sorts of aspects that you're going to see on different products. For example, avocados, 
wad growers say when it's really hot, unless we really need the product, we're not going to pick it because the tree does a great job of regulating the temperature of itself and its environment. So even though right now I'm picking this fruit, let's say it's 100 degrees, and if I don't need it, I'm going to let it. I'm going to let it stay because if I pick it, it's going to keep that temperature, and then I'm going to get it real cool, and it's going to create a, an, an odd atmosphere. But with a on the tree, the tree will it'll cool off as the day goes on. Mm-hmm. The tree will has a can a great canopy, which we find almost everything that grows has a canopy of some sort, which is really the plant and the tree's protection protection from that onslaught and the direct sunburn that can happen. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, avocados still have sunburn. You may find some at the store which has kind of a spot, almost looks like a scab or a, a darkening part, and that's where you know the leaves uh, separated perhaps and got a little more sun than, than what, what oh, was. Oh, that's, that's what it is. Fascinating. Yeah, wow. but again, even then, mm-hmm. it's not, it doesn't really affect the fruit hardly sure, at sure. all unless it's very extreme. Aesthetic and it's more are. of a cosmetic. Right. And that's really true with most of the negative, quote-unquote, negative aspects of being of being overstressed. I just want to comment on the margin. You said, you know, 105 to 110. It's yeah. interesting that farmers work within these 5, maybe 10-degree variances. And not that it's the end of the world if it goes beyond that, but it could mean fairly substantial crop damage, and that means a loss of some of their harvest, and most farmers operate on a, you know, 8 to 10 to 12 percent profit margin. So that could mean, you know, one week of 115, 118 degree weather could mean for that year no profit. So it's just fascinating being being that naked, being that exposed to nature's whims. And we all say that, but you would think that summer is the most stable of all seasons, and Mm, not so. You know, a few days where it doesn't cool down at night beyond 80 degrees, and you might as well lose half of your harvest. It's totally possible. Well, you know, the radio station that uh, farmers are listening to, it's, it's the weather, and, and they're in front of it. Absolutely. Yeah, 24-7, and there's nothing you can do, right? You can't just no, cover well, your field, or you can't just... Yeah, well, you know, you like, you know... Um, get that water irrigation out there. I mean, that's what that's really what they can do. If you know it's happening, you don't prune uh, some of your plants. Uh, for example, grapes and figs. Mm-hmm. Part, of, uh, part of how they're going to survive the heat is because they have this great canopy of leaves. If, you, if you've had an opportunity to be around a fig tree, they have these great huge leaves that are leathery and, and just powerful leaves. And they just cascade over the whole tree, and the fruit grows underneath it. And that is really what protects it, because figs love hot weather. Mm-hmm. And again, for short periods of time, that is not a problem. But if it, but it keeps on going, it is gonna, it, it, you're going to have a loss of uh, sizing sure. of the product. could have a loss of volume, meaning you're going to have more pieces that never grow. And also can affect the flavor, sure. because the, it gets so hot that the sugars don't develop like in pieces of fruit. So what are you seeing right now? We're almost out of time, but I want to, yeah. do you have like a quick list of what's coming? Are we talking tomatoes already, bell peppers? Like how oh, yeah, hot yeah. is well, it? Tomatoes have been around for about a month now, at least out in California. And But they're getting peppers, good now, right? Like really good. Yeah. Well, yeah, you can find some really wonderful heirlooms. We had our first ones come on in, in the mm-hmm. middle of June, and nice. it blew everybody's mind. Just oh, people nice. forget how, wow. <laughs> you know, this one girl we, we deal with, sure. he, he just picks them ripe, and nobody else does what he does, at least that What's early. the farmer's name? 
That's Tutti Frutti. Tutti Frutti, yeah, great. Yeah, he's he's down um, just north of Santa Barbara, inland a little bit. He just he's just a great grower. Great. Uh, so melons are starting to come in big time. Uh-huh. And what's interesting, the blueberry crop out of California has pretty much come to an end. Now we, we're starting to see product coming in from Oregon and Washington. Oh, nice. Uh, There's a second had, wave. I thought the berries were done. No, and then you have, uh, you know, the figs have been around for a week or so. Uh-huh. That first crop will come and go, and then the next one will come back in August. What about even, what about corn and peppers? and? Yeah, corn, definitely the local corn is, is in. The peppers, I think these, they're still a little ways away. Mm-hmm. Most of the peppers we're getting are, are from the desert still. The peppers really, that's one of those real hardcore uh, summertime uh, yeah. uh, articles. August, I mean, September, right, really, peppers. Yes, exactly. Cool. But melons, melons and grapes, figs, berries. Uh, it's going to be a short avocado year, so still get them. Uh, and the, but they're only getting more expensive, but get them while you can. That's rough. That's about it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> well, yeah. and if when the avocado season ends here in California, luckily we will have again, you know, f- fair trade and Mexican. Me- yeah, Mexican. Yep. So now, even before the Mexican, though, we'll have a real short little window of Peruvian avocados, because the first Mexicans will not be very good in the uh, early fall, late summer. Yeah, that's when Equal Exchanges season comes back in. We had a show with Equal Exchange on everything avocado that is not California. So, yes. Yes, beautiful. Wow. Okay. Yes, heat. Yes, heat it is. (laughs) Yes, and full production is here now. So go to the farmer's markets if you haven't yet this year. July, August, really, those are the, the months where it's so fun because everything is coming in on your local market, wherever you pretty much are in the country at this point. That was a beautiful tip to thrown in. Thank you by Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market. Talking Stay cool. We'll have you back next week. Excellent. Thank you, Earl. Take care. See you later. <laughs> Bye. And that was a packed hour on green energy and youth empowerment, creating the future of America hand in hand. And of course, what's in season, the update from what will be in the retail store in the next couple of weeks to look out for what's a good deal. This is an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back with another episode next week. Take good care and have a great week. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you also to our associate producer, Kristen Ponger. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Equal Exchange, a worker-owned cooperative that ensures your food is environmentally sound and socially just. Equal Exchange has been creating big change for small farmers for over 30 years by offering certified organic and fair trade coffee, tea, chocolate, bananas, and avocados. More on Equal Exchange at equalexchange.coop. And Utterly, offering beautiful and fun clothing for boys and girls that is made entirely from the unused fabric of prominent apparel manufacturers. Every garment reduces our eco-footprint by preventing this fabric from reaching the waste stream. Utterly, making sustainability fashionable 
and fashion sustainable. For more information, adelie.co. Also, Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? Anyone can buy directly from Earl's Organic at wholesale prices. The website is earlsorganic.com. And Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine without synthetic sulfites or other preservatives. Family owned and operated since 1980. Fry Vineyards, Mendocino County award-winning wines. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E dot com. Lastly, thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to anorganicconversation.com or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play so you'll never miss an episode. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, find us on Facebook and Instagram at An Organic Conversation and on Twitter at Talk Organic. I'm Helge Helberg, and we'll be back with another great episode right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then.